Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. I'm so happy to have with me Jonathan Rockefeller with Rockefeller Productions, who's the creator of the musical Winnie the Pooh, the new musical adaptation, which premiered off-Broadway in New York last year and is now in the middle of its national tour, currently here in L.A. through the end of the year. The show introduces Winnie the Pooh and live musicals in general to a whole new generation of theatergoers, as well as offering a nostalgic twist to older guests um, who are very fond of the Hundred Acre Woods. So, Jonathan, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So um, I'd love to sort of um, go back to the beginning of your involvement with this project. A cornerstone, obviously, of your company is producing Broadway-quality family shows. It's it's really what you've always been tackling, whether it's Sesame Street, Paddington Bear, um, A Very Hungry Caterpillar. So um, my... The natural first question I have is what drew you to um, Winnie the Pooh and bringing um, this story to life on the stage? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think it's um, one of the questions we always ask ourselves is um, what would I want to see if I was still five years old? And I think that the I I grew up with Winnie the Pooh and I I adore Winnie the Pooh and I think that he's so much fun. I mean, there's not many people in the world who haven't grown up with Winnie the Pooh. We've either watched the Disney films, we've watched the Disney cartoons, we've read the books. He's definitely a part of our culture in so many different ways. And what we also love to do is challenge ourselves. The first production we did was The Very Hungry Caterpillar, which was bringing a very, very small children's book to the stage with large-scale puppets and that was a whole lot of fun and so for us to take on Winnie the Pooh was about challenging ourselves to bring Pooh to the stage like what does that look like and we've all got fixed opinions of what he sounds like and both in terms of the music but also vocally and uh you know it, it is essentially large puppets large-scale puppets like this is a form of play, just like Christopher Robin does, just like Winnie the Pooh is a toy to be played with. And I think it sort of naturally lends itself to the stage like that. Um, and I hope, um, from what I've seen so far, we're living up to expectations of of uh, super fans. And, and that was super important too, to get it right. Yeah. And you talk about, obviously, audiences have knowing what these beloved characters sound like and the actors that you have in these productions just do a marvelous job at emulating those voices that we've known and loved so much um, in our childhood. Um, I'd love to switch gears because obviously you created the show and wrote the book um, of this musical. And I know that there's certain story elements from um, A.A. Milne's stories that you borrowed um, for this musical adaptation. Did you look more so to those stories? Did you look at all to the um, the films? Was it a combination of the two? Um, if you could talk about that. Yeah, it was definitely a, a combination of going through the original books, but also to the Disney films. Um, it, Disney and Winnie the Pooh are inseparable. Uh, you know, the, the version that they created. And I think it was one of the last films that uh, Walt worked on when he was still around. 
Um, and so Disney is very, very much ingrained with Winnie the Pooh and our interpretation and our feelings about what Winnie the Pooh is. But there's some really interesting things in the original texts, um, and that includes some of the lyrics in one of our songs come straight from A.A. A. Milne, um, and it's one of what's called, um, uh, well, Pooh's sort of coming up with lyrics for himself. He constantly comes up with what he calls hums, um, it, which is sort of these random ditties that he sings to himself, and he calls them hum. And so we took using A.A. Milne's original text. So it was very, very much looking at both things. There are certainly aspects of a Winnie the Pooh story that is intrinsically a vignette that is so Winnie the Pooh, like he's going to get stuck in something. So in our case, we made him stuck in a honey tree, um, which he does, of course, in one of the first chapters of the book. But in our version, it's in a very, very different way. Tigger is going to ruin Rabbit's garden. Uh, Eel's house is is uh, something's going to go wrong with Eel's house. Piglet's going to be scared or something. So there's some innate tropes that already exist that we play around with and deliver in a fresh way. But when we were writing the book, um, the important thing was also to come to fold in those wonderful Sherman Brothers songs. Uh, we all know the Winnie the Pooh theme song. We all know the wonderful thing about Tiggers, and we had to make sure that those songs were there for the super fans, but for the uninitiatives, they're just so catchy. It's like, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. They're just so zingers, they're the little earworms, and they're just so joyous and fun. So it was us taking a big mixing pot and combining all those aspects together to uh, create something that felt fresh, new and different, but still very, very familiar at the same time. Yeah, um, I'd love to talk about your experience working with Disney since this is obviously, uh, this is produced by um, Disney Theatrical Productions. When you first conceived of the idea of adapting this, was Disney always involved in the process or did they know that you were working on this and um, want to jump on board? Did you you reach out to them? If you could just talk about that collaboration, working oh, with Disney it, on this. It's been a wonderful collaboration between us and Disney. I think that uh, Thomas Schumerick and the, and the team there are phenomenally invested in producing, just like us, brilliant theatre for people to come and enjoy. Um, and that's been a whole lot of fun to, to get feedback on the script and the puppets at different phases of development from them because they have such great insight into the um, you know, what it means to be a, a Disney show. Um, and so that's been, was quite wonderful. But we we only started development of the project. Uh, I mean, we built a mock-up puppet, but we'd only started once we started collaborating together. Um, it wasn't something that we did and then said, hey, what do you think about this? And is it okay we put your name on it? Um, it was very, very much a wonderful process of collaboration. Yeah. Um, the show is an hour long, which is, you know, obviously significantly less than your typical um, Broadway show or, or musical, but it's still a lot to ask for in a child. And I know I've I've read from you that, you know, you don't, you, you believe that children are capable of maintaining um, attention to a show for that long. And, and you don't think it's um, a lot to ask for in a child um, as long as they're being entertained. Can you talk a little bit about um, sort of the, how, how you feel like children should be taken more seriously with 
being an audience member than people would typically give them credit for, I guess, when watching a show of this length? Yeah, there's a great phrase that that comes out of the Winnie the Pooh books that, you know, you're stronger than you seem, you're smarter than you think, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I believe that as a foundation is that kids innately are much smarter and much more intelligent than you think. They can be crawling on the floor. Um, I'm not saying they do that, but if they could be crawling on the floor, singing loudly, but still paying attention to everything that's going on around them. If you think about if you baby babysit a kid, if you've got a kid yourself, what they are capable of absorbing. Um, I think that we can teach them very bad habits as adults. Um, we, us being on phones all the time, looking at screens is teaching bad habits that don't exist in them yet. But if you think about to when we were all younger, we were able to, you know, Sesame Street was an hour long episodes. All episodes were longer. We had much greater attention spans. And that is just what we're teaching a younger generation to adhere to our attention spans compared to what they innately have. Um, Quality entertainment, kids are able to be entertained for longer than 60 minutes, but 60 minutes is, seems to be a really good length for them. And I think that we do a great job of um, teaching them, it, you know, it, it, the story sort of unfolds and there's something exciting happening uh, and not like fireworks exciting, but there's some a new story point or something, a song or something delivered every two, three minutes. So it's hard not to remain engaged as part of that. But the other thing I'll say is as much as this show is for the families, it is really generally for the all the family, including the old folk, um, older folk, I should say, um, in that about, you know, 50% of our audience is, is just adults. There's no, they don't bring a kid along. <laughs> they get there on date night and... I think there's something about um, wanting to connect again with what was so much fun and joy as a kid. I think it's also us connecting with characters that we really, really love. Uh, uh, the greatest, one of the, the most beautiful things I saw in New York was there was a, a couple, they were probably in their 70s, and um, she brought her own Winnie the Pooh that she had when she was a kid along with it. And um, they were obviously on date night, which I just found so beautiful. Um, her husband was rolling his eyes, but um, she was having the time of her life. And that kind of stuff is really, really wonderful to see. Yeah. And I can say that, you know, from my experience, when I went to see the show the other week, many adults, myself included, with no children um, in their party and a lot of, you know, Winnie the Pooh, either memorabilia or, you know, clothing um, was seen. So, yeah, that's definitely, I'm sure, the case through all the performances that are put on the show. Um, I wanted to circle back because one of the most, I think, just endearing parts of the show is the life-size puppetry, which, you know, we've never seen before that, you know, our, our you know, cherished Winnie the Pooh characters that we love so much, we've never seen it in that way before. Can you walk me through that beautiful um, process of designing those life-size puppetry of Winnie and his friends? Yeah, the first thing I need to start with is that our puppeteers I call athletes mm -hmm. uh, because they are singing and dancing while yielding puppets that may be up to, you know, 40 pounds. Um, they're very large-scale puppets, and everything they do takes a tremendous lot of talent and energy and effort to do, and I think they do a tremendous, wonderful job at it. 
Um, but to, to design these characters, uh, we really needed to look at what is the look and feel of Winnie the Pooh. I mean, Pooh is five feet tall, so he's he's not a walk-around character. You don't climb inside his suit too. He looks and feels like he is walking around the stage, and it's a process that we called sort of animation for the stage, is that you should believe and every the puppeteers and everything just blends completely into the background because the characters are so animated um, and Tigger's bouncing three feet in the air that you believe it is just in, unfolding in real time in front of you. And I think that's one of the great joys of it. But in terms of the physical design, we wanted to, it to feel innately classic, but quintessentially Disney at the same time. So we did look to the original E.H. Shepard drawings to go what was the original illustrations of those characters, but also what Disney had done with them and really found a nice medium where they feel everything that you know, but there's some slight nuances that might be slightly different to the cartoon. For example, um, Piglet's body is green, just like in the in the books as compared to um pink uh, you know this bright pink as he's in the cartoon so there's some very very small nuances that helps it feel more classic and more um premium i guess you could say and um i th i think that that helps unfold the 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 wonderful world of of the hundred acre wood in front of us yeah um, well, for my last question, I would just love to know, you know, the show is currently in its national tour, but it, are there any other projects that you're working on or about to work on from yourself and just Rockefeller Productions <laughs> as a whole that you're able to share? That's a great question. Uh, so I can't talk about the stuff we haven't announced yet, but um, Sesame Street is, uh, the musical is is certainly a fun project where, you know, Elmo's finally made it onto the stage for the first time, as have all these other <laughs> friends. That's tremendous, tremendous fun using the actual Muppets from Sesame Street is a lot of joy. Um, but Winnie the Pooh is uh, currently on sale for London and he will open there in March. So we're super excited for him to be in back in the country where the book was written. And I think that they're super excited to see what happens um, as part of that as well. Um, and Paddington is currently touring around the United States as well, if you'd like to check him out. And um, The Hungry Caterpillar is the wonderful book written by Eric Carle. Um, we'll be opening that in New York in uh, March also. Amazing. Um, well, thanks again, Jonathan. You know, Winnie the Pooh's definitely captured the young and the young at heart with this new musical that began in New York and now slowly across the country. It's such a whimsical, nostalgic narrative that's both a walk down memory lane, but also invigorates a new burst of energy into these characters and setting that is deeply ingrained in all of us. That's right. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.